You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. All right, well, if you would turn in God's Word to Colossians chapter 2. This morning, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. We're continuing in our series, three-week series, entitled, This Changes Everything, looking at how the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus doesn't just change some of us and doesn't just change some things, but if we understand who he is, what he's done, it changes all of us and it changes everything. If this is your first time today, your second time, or your hundredth time, we want everyone here to know that you are so welcome, not merely from us as a church, but as Jesus says to everyone, come, come to me all who are thirsty and find in me what you have longed for all along. And so at Fellowship, Paragold, we want to be a church that seeks to make the real Jesus known. You'll find out more at the end of the service about how you get connected in other ways through what we call missional communities. But we pray that already this morning as we've sang, as we've interacted with one another, that you've already had a taste of the greatness and the supremacy of who our Savior is. So in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, this morning we're going to look at how the cross changes everything and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together today and let lives of worship overflow in a gathering of worship. We thank you for the truths that we've been able to already sing this morning of your great love for us that nothing in this world can compare with. And Father, we confess that we uh, so often look for this love in all the wrong places, but we thank you that you have pursued us and are pursuing us even now by your Spirit back to you. And so we ask you today, Father, that you through your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see the truth of who you are and that it would change us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right after we moved here nearly two years ago, something happened that uh, changed my life in many ways. And as we will move back in a few months, it will continue to be a a glaring change. And that's the fact that my grandmother died, whom I call Mama. And when my grandmother died, it really did for me change everything. No longer would I be able to, to go into her house and go to that candy drawer that she kept stacked. Kit Kats, Snickers, Reese's, all of the good stuff. She always had it there for us. No longer at Christmas we'll be be eating her tater logs. My cousin can try to do it, but it just doesn't compare. There'll be no more Tuesday night suppers. There'll be no more Sunday afternoon breakfasts with those biscuits that melt in your mouth faster than a Reese's on a Monday in July. There'll be no more of that just unqualified, unconditional love 
that you know it doesn't matter what you did that day, that she's just going to come up and with her four foot two frame, give you a hug and leave you feeling like you're the king of the world. Now you might be saying, well, that's all good and well for you, but Mama's death doesn't really change anything for me. And I don't take offense at that. That's because it's not the death that changes things, it's the person that changes things. And when it's personal, it's powerful. When someone dies that we love, and when someone dies who means so much to us, and it's personal, it changes our lives. And for many of us, if we're honest, the death of Jesus is not powerful in our lives because it either has never been personal or has had ceased to be personal to us. We've not realized, or maybe we've forgotten, how his death really changes everything, not just as a historical act, but in our hearts, not just for others, not just for all of us in some general way, but for every one of us in every way. The cross changes everything. And God, by His grace, wants to show us, remind us, pursue us by His love here in Colossians 2 today of the personal and powerful work of Jesus on the cross. For every one of us in here, for Fellowship Paragold, for the city of Paragold, to realize that the cross truly does change everything. Well, how does it do this? Well, the first thing we see is the cross changes everything by changing our payment. There's a big problem behind verse 13. We see that you were made dead in your trespasses and the, uncir- and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You were dead, but God made you alive together with Him. Whether we realize it or not, all of us come into this world and live in this world apart from Christ as debtors. We are debtors, and the debt that we owe to God is death. We are dead in our trespasses, God's word says. That is in our sins, that in our just outright rebellion. Here's his word, here's his commands, and we do the opposite. We're dead in our hearts. That's what this phrase, uncircumcision of our flesh, means. It means it's not just that we do the wrong things, it's that we love the wrong things. We want the wrong things. We pursue the wrong things. We worship the wrong things. We have stone-cold hearts towards God and His love for us. And so what is the penalty that we owe for this? It's death. It's death. God says elsewhere, the wages of sin is death. Death is the penalty of the debt that we owe to God. There are some of you who may not have ever realized this before, and others of us who may want to deny this. Like I'm sure there's some of you in here, you get the mail and you don't even want to look at it. Some of you may even be as much in denial that you get mail and you know it's bills and so you just throw it away before you even open it. Well, this is what we receive in the mail from God's word. I gave you one command, trust me, and you broke it and the penalty is death. We're all, as it were, dead men walking. So how do we become alive? Well, it says that God made us alive together with him. And who is the him? It is Jesus. 
It is God's Son. God sent His Son. And how are we made alive? It says He forgave us of all our sins. He forgave us of every sin that we committed. And in forgiving us of that sin, He lifted the sentence of death. And how did He do this? Well, God's Word says, He canceled the record of debt that stood against us. Is that through Jesus' life, through Jesus' death, the debt that we owe has been canceled. It has been paid in full. Well, how is it paid in full? Well, it says, He fulfilled its legal demands. Setting it aside through His death on the cross. God didn't just waive the penalty that we owe because God is good and right and perfect. But God sent His Son to fulfill the penalty that we owe. Legal demands here. He lived a perfect life, obeying everything that God commanded. But then He died a perfect death in our place, taking on the penalty, the debt that we deserved. Therefore, the record of debt that stood against us is paid in full. Through Jesus on the cross. I remember several years ago, my brother had accumulated quite a bit of debt. And because of that, not only did he work his regular job, but he had to work a lot of side jobs. He had to mow a lot of yards. He had to cut a lot of trees. He had to sell a lot of firewood. And so he worked all day and he worked all night. Because this debt, consumed his life and we all know how debt works debt enslaves us but what my brother didn't realize is throughout this year and over this span of time my dad had realized that debt as well and so my dad decided that he was going to work extra jobs he was going to mow extra yards he was going to cut extra trees and so i'll never forget at that christmas what my brother's birthday my brother's christmas present was is it was this envelope And he got that envelope and he pulled it out. And what he didn't realize is all through that year, my dad had been paying on that debt. And so here he is staring down another new year of extra work, of just his life being consumed and enslaved to this debt. And he pulled out that sheet of paper and he saw his bank statement and he saw those bills. And then he looked down there at the bottom and there it was, paid in full. I don't know what sin, what regrets that you feel like you're having to continue to work off this morning. What part of your past, what part of your present, maybe even your future that you're worried about that you feel like is this monkey on your back. But I just want you to imagine right now, if you would, that you could reach underneath your seat and you pull out a sheet of paper. So everybody hold your sheet of paper. Can you hold two hand, your hands up like this? I want you to look down at it right now. And I want you to see your sin. I want you to see your past. Or your present. Maybe you're not just your last night, but this morning. I want you to even think about those Ten Commands. Maybe it says on there, idolater. It says on there, worshiping a false god. Taking God's name in vain. Not enjoying the rest that God has given you in Christ. It says you're disobedient to parents, some of you children in here. It says that you're a murderer with your words, with your heart. It says you're a thief. 
says you're a liar, says you're an adulterer, a fornicator, says you're a coveter. And now just look at the bottom. And written in red with the blood of Jesus, it says, paid in full. And whether you believe it or not, you can put your paper away. You can tear it up, right? You can burn the note. Because everything that you think you're having to work off has already been worked off in the death of Jesus. It's been canceled. It's been put away. And what if you really believe this? Some of you who need to hear this for the first time or the hundredth time, that your debt is paid in full. Some of you need to do this because you read your Bible and you pray like you're paying off a bill. I know that's where I was at one point in my life. You think, yeah, God's let me in his, in his family, but I've still got to pay off all this sin that I've committed. And so on the days you work hard and you do right, you feel like He really loves you, but you, on the days you don't, you feel like you're, you're still in this hole. You're living what we might call a Cinderella Christianity. You're in the home, but you don't feel like you really belong. The good news for you this morning is that the cross of Jesus changes all of that. It's paid in full. Whatever debts that you owed, whatever regrets you carry in here today, have been taken care of at the cross. Canceled. I don't know if any of you guys have ever listened to Dave Ramsey before. He can be kind of a jerk, I think, sometimes. But he's got a lot of good, good advice and good counsel. But I always love it when you have a family on there, right? That's finally gone debt-free. And they do the debt-free screen. <laughs> I'm not going to make you do the debt-free screen this morning. <laughs> we're going to do the debt-free screen after I get finished preaching, though. Because we're going to sing these words. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross, right? Not just some hymn writer's imagery, because Jesus, Colossians 2, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It is well with my soul. The cross of Jesus changes everything because the cross of Jesus changes our payment. But not only does it change our payment, it changes our power. Notice what verse 15 says. It says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. So the problem here, not only are we living apart from Christ under this debt to sin, but we're living, as God says in another part of Colossians, in this domain of darkness. We're not a part of the kingdom of Christ. We're a part of the kingdom of the enemies of God. We're a part of this, this, this massive power and pressure that stands in utter rebellion to everything that is good for us and would bring us life. This is what Paul means when he writes the rulers and authorities. He's not merely here talking about the, the earthly political powers. He's speaking of, of the spiritual realm. He's speaking of the demonic forces that would seek to continue to hold us captive in our rebellion against Christ. We won't look here, but in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, it, uh, 
Paul speaks of Satan as the prince of the power of the air whom we're all following as the sons of disobedience. Thus said in Colossians 1.13, he speaks of how we were once a part of the domain of darkness. We are slaves to sin and we are led by the head slave, Satan himself. And yet the good news here is that the cross changes everything. Because through the cross, the rulers and authorities, Satan, the world, the flesh, are disarmed. Now how are they disarmed? Because the weapons that they use to keep us in check are no longer available. They're no longer valid. And if we know anything about Satan, who Satan is, what the name Satan even means, is accuser. This is how he holds people in check. This is how he keeps people in their place. This is how he guards us and and guides us away from Christ is he reminds us of how guilty we are. Of the debt we have to pay. He enslaves us in our rebellion by entrapping us in our regret. The good news is, is through the cross, through this removal of debt, through the canceling of all that we owed, Satan, the rulers, the authorities are disarmed. And how are they disarmed? They're not just disarmed in some part. They're disarmed fully. Notice he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Jesus. The cross put to shame those who would seek to shame us. Satan loses shamefully because Jesus on the cross, at that moment where it looked like Satan was winning, was the very moment through the sacrificial love and grace of God that he was facing the decisive defeat that we long for since the garden. At the cross, Satan, the one who, as it were, was seeing all of his dreams come true at the very same time, was seeing all of his greatest nightmares fulfilled. Colossians 1.13 goes on, not only does it say that he delivered us from the domain of darkness, that he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And this changes everything. It changes everything because now we're not slaves. Now no one, whether it be a demon or your neighbor, has anything to hold over your head regarding your past that has any legitimate authority before the throne of God. One pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, tells it this way, and I've shared this personally with some of you that we've, we've met for gospel shepherding, about the difference that this makes to realize how it truly changes everything for you to be taken from this domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. He says, imagine a country, and this, he's from England, and this sort of sounds like our own American history. For for generations and generations, a, a people were enslaved. A people were told they're worthless. A people were told they're helpless. A people had to do exactly what their master said to do. And for all of these centuries, for all of these generations, for all of these years, it just been become ingrained in their psyche. Yes, I am. I am worthless. 
I am a slave. I have to just do whatever I'm told to do. But then finally these slaves are set free. And as it were, one day they're working in in this field, on this side of the road, having to do exactly everything they're told and being put down again and again. You're worthless. You're nothing. You can't do anything without me. But now they've been delivered and they've been moved to this side of the road. And now instead of slaves, they're sons. They can live in freedom. They're told they have infinite worth, infinite value. They've been empowered to live the life they were created to live. This is what's happened in our salvation. This is what's happened through the cross of Jesus. We have been taken from this field of slavery and placed in this field of sonship. But here's the problem. As we continue to live in this world, our old master can still talk to us. Our old master can still tell us, you've got to do what I say. Our old master can still tell us, you're worthless. You're helpless. There's no point in trying. You're nothing without me. And isn't it so tempting to believe what he says, even though that's not the reality anymore? To believe that You know, I've just got to give in to this comfort idol. There's no use in trying. I've got to live for this person's approval. I've got to have control. I don't even know what it looks like to not be a slave to control. I have to perform. I have to have power. I have to to contort myself in this relationship. But the cross changes everything because it brings us the reality that we have been set free. We are no longer slaves. And when we really believe this, then we can stop listening to those voices and we can stop obeying masters that have been disarmed. As it were, we're God's people. Sometimes finding ourselves surrounded by all of the enemies of God telling us what to do. But there's one big difference now that we're in Christ. They're not holding AK-47s anymore. They've been disarmed. And all we've got to do now is fight. The victory is ours. Jesus triumphed over them at the cross. All we've got to do is believe it and live it to rise up and be the people that we have been made in Christ. This should change also our perspective. Not only does the cross change everything because it changes our payment and because it changes our power. It changes our perspective. It changes the way we view our pain. Paul writes this letter from a prison. He writes a letter of victory through the cross of Jesus Christ from a jail cell. He writes to a people who are a minority following Christ in this culture on the margins very well themselves to be those who will face persecution The problem is for many of us, 
we think that once we follow Jesus, that once we have this payment removed, that once we, we have this, this pow- empowerment changed, that now our lives will be easy, that now things should just all fall in place for us. But if we understand the cross, we see that before we get to the good news that Jared's going to share next week, that the path to the victory that Jesus gives us is a cross-shaped path. But it's not a path of doom. It's a path of deliverance. See, I imagined having children, and the, I at one point wanted to have like ten children. I could just imagine seeing them discipled, seeing them raised up, seeing them catechized, learning all their questions and answers about Bible truth, seeing their leading their friends to Jesus. But you know what happened? When I had kids, now it's like, how am I going to survive Tuesday? How are we going to get through this without hurting people and going to jail? And if you're not careful, you begin to think, this isn't what I signed up for. Some of you may be thinking this in your fight clubs or your missional communities. I thought we were supposed to, to storm the gates of hell. See, all of these people won to Christ. See, the culture changed. And it's just really hard and messy and people get on my nerves. And do I feel warm enough to legitimately not go to family meal today? Our kid coughed. Oh, no. The cross changes that because we see the way of Jesus, the way to victory is not the absence of suffering, it's the engagement of suffering in light of the victory that He's given us. We have to remember that. Some of you think, if I could just get over this obstacle, then I'll get to what we're really all about. If we could just get our missional community all on board, if I could just get my wife and my kids on board, if I could just get them to this point, then we would be where we're at. Then we would get to the game. But the cross tells us, this is the game. Your interruptions, your obstacles, are not something to make it through. They're your life. The call to follow Jesus is a call to deny yourself and to take up your cross. And this is good news. Because that rubs it in the face of the enemy. The enemy wants to take your sin and your circumstances and say, look at you, you're trapped. Look at you, you thought that following God's will is going to lead to this great victory in your life, and look at you. You're still the same old person, stuck in the same old ruts. But when you, in the middle of that sin that is real in your life, and in the middle of that situation that is hard in your life, you look to Jesus by faith, and you believe, "Uh uh-uh, my debt's paid in full. Uh Uh-uh, you've been disarmed, you've been defeated. So by faith, I'm going to take up my cross, not quit, and quit follow Jesus. That just puts the enemies of God to shame. And it displays a gospel to this world, this world that thinks that the only good news 
is getting what we want. Thinks the only good news is comfort. Thinks the only good news is the resistance of anything that would take any kind of work and sacrifice. And they see you living differently. And they want to know why. Just imagine. Imagine this good news that we have to take into all the people groups our missional communities are engaging with. People that are suffering and in pain. People who have lives full of regret. That they're trying to work off one way or another. People who feel helpless and trapped to their backgrounds, their personalities, their environments. And we can walk into Labor Park, to B.A. Burrito, to the downtown. We can go to the foster families, youth sports, the Restore community, the Bellmead Nursing Home. And we can go in there with good news that says, guess what? All those regrets, all that debt. You don't have to live with that anymore. You can say all those feelings of helplessness, of hopelessness, of enslavement. I've got good news for you. Those enemies have been disarmed in Christ. All this pain and suffering in your life that just feels meaningless and random. Now you can find hope in the one who suffered in your place. But if this is going to be ours, and if we're going to be able to share this to other people, if it's going to flow out of our hearts, then we've got to believe it. We've got to embrace it. We've got to, to jump in. And we can't keep, keep living as if we are slaves to our debt to demons, to our suffering. So many of us have just accepted that's our life. And that's why nothing changes. But the cross could change everything. <coughs> Last week I took Elisha, our middle son, fishing. And the, the, where we went fishing, the guy said, y'all can keep whatever you want and clean them. We're trying to get the bass out of there so we can stock it more with catfish. Now, first of all, I've never cleaned a fish. I didn't want to do that. So he was really excited about it. And so he caught one, and we brought her a little bucket, had it full of water. We put this, this bass in there he caught, and immediately this thing goes, vroom. I mean, it jumps. But the, the bucket was far enough off that it landed on the ground. Well, I had an idea. Here's a way to get me out of having to clean fish or attempt. YouTube it right and watch it. It'd be funny for our y'all to watch. Should YouTube me YouTubing it? But as I said, I'm going to move this bucket right up here beside the water. <laughs> then the fish will jump in, and I'll be like, "Man, I hate that, son. I really wanted us to do that together." Great parenting. <laughs> My debt's removed. I'll have to remember that later. Um, but you know what happened? That fish didn't jump out. He had tried it before, and he just hit land. But all this sucker had to do, he didn't even have to do his big jump. He just had to barely get over the rim, and he is scot-free. 
but he didn't. All he could see was those walls, I guess. I don't know how fish think, but for some reason, this guy could easily have got free, but he didn't. He believed he was trapped. He believed he was done for. Maybe that's how some of you feel this morning. All you see right now is those walls, that bucket, that water. Maybe it's the debt you see, and you're like, there's no way I could be forgiven. So you're just going to hold tight. Maybe it's all the evil in your life coming against you, and you're like, there's no way I'm going to win on overcome this. Maybe it's the pain and suffering in your life, and you're like, there's no way I should even try. The good news is this morning, the cross changes everything. All you got to do is by faith, just crawl crawl to Jesus. You don't even got to have the power to jump or to run. All you got to do is just fall over the side into the freedom that he has given you. And when we believe this, it'll be personal. It'll be powerful. And we'll find the cross changes everything. Father, thank you so much for this good news. Thank you that though the debt we owe is a debt we could never pay, that you paid, us, paid it for us in the death of Jesus. Thank you he did live the life that we could never live. Thank you that he died the death we deserve to die. And thank you that as we will celebrate so strongly again next week, he rose to change everything. Father, we ask you to help us believe that today. Even as inadequately and surface scratchingly that I have described this today Holy Spirit would you take it and root it deep in our hearts in Jesus name Amen